be fine. Um, we're continuing a series today called When You. It's part of our bigger series on the Sermon on the Mount. And, and last week, as Pastor Dick indicated, last week we started this portion of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus uh, transitions th- this, these thoughts and he starts to move into this new kind of vein. But throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see this theme over and over and over that Jesus is far more concerned with the condition of our heart than he is with external righteousness. Because what we see over and over and over is if the condition of our heart is what it should be, then our external righteousness will become what it should be. And so sometimes we get it backwards, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But uh, last week we talked about uh, the statement he made, when you give. And so uh, we spent some time talking about that, that, that there's an expectation that we as believers, as followers of Jesus, he says, you know, the world's righteousness or, or the religious people's righteousness says, this is how you give. But if you're a follower of me, this is what your righteousness should look like. So he doesn't say don't give, but he says when you give, it should look like this. Does that make sense? So there's this, this, this implication that, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will give. And when you give, this is how it should look. And so now we're to a portion of scripture today that, that we're going to talk about prayer. And, and we start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And the thing I love about prayer is this. And, and It's become something so simplified that sometimes are dumbed down so much that we fail to realize how truly incredible prayer is. Because what prayer is, is us being able to connect to the God of the universe. And that's pretty incredible. Now, social media, one of the reasons I think a lot of people like social media is because it gives them access to people they wouldn't normally have access to. There's a reason that uh, Justin Bieber has 4 million followers or whatever it is on Twitter. It's because people want to connect with him. And, And there are teenage girls and older girls and weird guys who will tweet Justin Bieber (laughs) <laughs> and say things like, would you please retweet me? I'd love for, you know, I'd love a retweet. And then when he retweets them, they go crazy because what? Justin Bieber noticed me, right? And we can mock them, but, but sometimes guys do the same thing with athletes. So we have these things we go, if I could just connect with that celebrity, if they would just acknowledge my presence and know that I'm real, my life would be complete. But the truth is we have access to the God of the universe every single day, but yet we take it for granted. We feel like it's no big deal. We feel like it's a chore. Oh, pastor's gonna talk about praying today. What's it gonna be? An hour a day? 30 minutes a day, what's it gonna be? And that's how we approach it sometimes. But the truth is, we should be excited about the opportunity we have to connect with the living God of the universe. But we don't take it that way sometimes. This is what it says in Matthew chapter six, verse five. Again, Jesus is preaching. It's a sermon on the mount. There are thousands of people present. It's not just his followers. It's people that are opposed to his ministry and then people that just are kind of ambivalent either way. They're just kind of curious. They want to see what's going on. And so there's this huge group of people. And this is what Jesus continues on to say in this, in this sermon. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And if you remember last week, the word hypocrites is used here in uh, it has the same meaning as the Greek word for actor. And what they would do in Greek um, plays is one actor would play many parts and he'd just change his mask. So one person would be different things for different scenes. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're my follower, you should not be hypocritical. If you're my follower, you shouldn't be one thing but act another. You should be 
true. You should be sincere. You should be honest. You should be real. That's what Jesus says. So he goes on to say, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Because this is the thing. Again, we're talking about the heart. And Jesus says their heart is not for God. Their heart is to be noticed by man. And so what happens is because they just want to be noticed, God says, I can't bless you because your heart is wrong. Now you go, well, wait a second. They're praying to God. Absolutely. Their, their action is right. Their heart is wrong. And their heart prevents God from being able to bless their lives. And God says, they've already received all the reward they're going to get. Because the reward they get is when everybody goes, wow, that was a really good prayer. They must pray in the King James. Like, that was really solid, right? <laughs> Henceforth, everyone here shout. Like, that. come on. Like, that doesn't impress anybody. And Jesus comes to that in just a minute. But Jesus says, they've received all the reward they're going to get. There's no reward waiting for them in heaven. Because they've gotten it just then. And he says this, and he, he, con, he kind of contrasts that by this statement. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He said, your heart shouldn't be to be noticed by others. Your heart should be to be noticed by God. You shouldn't care about what anybody else thinks about your prayer life. You should be more concerned about what the God of the universe thinks about your prayer life. He said, don't do it for accolades. Don't do it for congratulations. Don't do it for any of those reasons. See, the motivation for our prayers must be intimacy with God. I think sometimes, sometimes our, our motivation for prayer is, I want, and that is a bad motivation. God may answer your prayer, but if your motivation is how you can manipulate God to get what you want, it's probably not going to turn out well. When our motivation is, God, I just... I want to draw near to you. Maybe there's a tragedy in our life. Maybe there's a job loss. Maybe there's uh, something going on in our health and in relationships. And what that does is it drives us to God. And what we ultimately say is, okay, God, I need you in this situation. I'd like you to fix this stuff, but man, God, I just need you. And there's something about that that I think attracts the heart of God and draws us near to him and draws him near to us. Matthew 6, verse 7, it says, And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And again, aren't you thankful that it's not about our performance? Have you ever been asked to pray somewhere publicly? Hey, would you pray over the meal? And you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't practice, right? Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, oh, because you're thinking, man, they're going to judge me if I say the wrong words or how I pray. Now, I, I apparently am a professional prayer because anytime I go to eat somewhere, I'm in, out with somebody, family, they, I get asked to pray every, every time. Mel, would you mind praying? No, eh, I'll pray. That's fine. You know, I do it besides just Sunday sometimes. So um, yeah, I'll pray and you know, we'll pray. But again, I'll be in small groups with people and I'll go, Hey, would so-and-so, would you pray? And it's like, Oh my gosh, I can't pray. But the thing is they pray all the time. They just don't want us to judge them for the words they use or how, how, how they sound or what they don't say. Because we immediately start thinking, oh my gosh, oh, I'm going to get this all wrong. And at the end of the day, God doesn't care about your fancy words. He doesn't care if you speak in the King James. He's not impressed by that. What he's impressed by is the heart behind the prayer. In fact, Scripture tells us that there are times that we pray in groans and utterances, that, that we pray and we don't even know what we're praying but the Holy Spirit does, but God does, because he sees our heart. 
And so what Jesus is saying here is that the pagans, and I don't mean that as a generic term for lost people, but literally people that were pagan worshipers, what they would do is they would utter the name of their God repetitively over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to basically try to get the attention of their God. And so what Jesus is saying is don't act like that. You don't have to beg God to get his attention. You don't have to utter mindless words over and over and over and over again. God's more concerned with your heart than your performance. Um, Now, this is a danger because we pray a lot around our house. And so uh, sometimes there are prayers that can become a little bit routine. And if you're a parent, maybe you've experienced this. I, I pray for my girls when I'm dropping them off at school. And one day I was dropping my girls off at school and I prayed this prayer, dear Jesus, Pray that you bless this food to the nourishment of our, uh, and my girl started laughing and I was like, I mean, um, the food we're going to eat today for lunch, Lord, bless their food. That's what I was talking about. What were you talking about? Right? What happened? I was mindlessly reciting a prayer. There was nothing involved in my heart. It was just the words I was saying. And that was a check for me that I thought, okay, I got to watch myself because if, if we're not careful, we will mindlessly recite words that just come out our mouth, but don't mean anything from our heart. You don't get a gold star just because you say a prayer before a meal if your heart's not in it. If you're just saying it to like check off your list, it doesn't count. It's got to be from your heart because Jesus is more concerned with our heart than he is our mindless mechanical repetition. This is what he goes on. This is a passage that even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard this one before. So Jesus breaks it down. He says, let me give you a model for, for prayer if I can help you. And so we won't spend a lot of time here, but this is what he says in Matthew chapter six, verse 19. He says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, every football team in America has recited this scripture at some point or another. They might not even known it was scripture. Um, and, and what happens is sometimes we will take this passage and think, well, this is what we must pray. Jesus said to pray this way. It must be the special prayer. So we'll, when we need to pray as a group, we're just going to say the Lord's Prayer. But what Jesus wanted to do is give us a model and say, Here, here's kind of a structure for prayer. If you're wondering, trying to figure this thing out, let me give you a structure. And so Jesus kind of lays this out. And we won't get into a lot of depth here, but this is... This is um, not supposed to be like an architectural plan. Cause you know, if, if you're building a building like that, you have an architectural plan, right? And you need to stick with the architectural plan. Like you don't just go, what? Is, oh, they don't know that. You know what? We're going to take that out and we're putting a wall there. And are you an engineer? No, nah, but this is going to be my house. So we're going to do whatever we want. Right? It's like, no, 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 that's not suggestions. Like that's, that's what you're supposed to do. And this is not like that. This is a suggestion. This is Jesus saying, here's, here's a roadmap. Okay, here's, here's some things you probably need to hit, but you don't have to pray these specific words. And so this is what he says. Um, the first half of this prayer is focused on God. It, it's focused on God being preeminent and sovereign in the world and, and seeing God work and seeing the work of God happen in our lives. That's what the first half of this prayer is. And then the second half is, um, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Did you notice he didn't say, Lord, give us this day the, the brand new Chevy Tahoe because I need one, right? What does he say? Give us this day our daily bread. Is there anything wrong with having the brand new Chevy Tahoe? No, God bless you if you've got one. But what Jesus is saying is, don't, don't go hunting after the big stuff. Just say, God, supply what we need. Let me have a heart that you're gonna take care of every need that I've got. 
And so he says, supply for our need, forgive us our debt. He's saying, hey, Lord, forgive me the, the sin that I've committed. Now, this is different than when we pray for forgiveness for salvation, we're made new, but he's saying, basically every day, I've gotta go, God, my heart is still wicked at times. Like, I still need to be sanctified. I still need to be shaped more into your image. And so there, there's this daily confession that happens in our lives. We go, okay, God, I still need your help. I'm still not perfect, so please continue that work of sanctification in my life. But it's interesting because he says, forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. It can be looked at in two ways. It can be looked at as forgive us in the same manner we forgive, or it can be looked at as, as you forgive me, help me to have a heart that forgives others. Either way, that's a pretty solid prayer. Um, Jesus actually ends this whole passage talking about forgiveness. And again, we'll circle back. He says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, he's saying, God, help me. If, if I can just make it really simple here. Basically, what, what Jesus is saying is for us to pray that we don't get ourselves into situations where, we'll t where we're tempted to sin. Not that God sends temptation our way to see how we're gonna do, but sometimes we as humans walk into situations, we go, I bet I'll be fine, and then we get into a situation where we're like, oh, I'm being tempted, God help me here. And God's like, you got yourself into that mess. <laughs> that, that's, your, that's, that's your fault, I might help you, but you got yourself there, right? And so what this prayer is, is God help my heart to be right where I don't even wanna venture into places where I might be tempted. And most of us don't pray that way. Most of us pray, let me live really close to the line, and then if I start to go over, like, pull me back. But that's not the heart that God wants for us at all. I love when he says at the beginning, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's not just talking about that God's authority on earth would take over, that all the sinners would be put in their place, and, and God's kingdom will rise up. What it's talking about is us as God's kingdom, living out his will for our lives, not just his mysterious unknown will that we go, well, if it's God's will, but us living out the things we know that God is calling us to do, living out his will for our lives. And that's the prayer that Jesus says, here's, here's what your prayer should look like. And again, if we're gonna be honest, a lot of our prayers do not look anything like this. We don't pray for God's kingdom. We don't pray for the church. We don't pray for, we pray for, I got needs, I got problems, I got relationships, I got financial issues. Here's my junk, God, I need you to fix it. And then we wonder why our prayers aren't being met and aren't being answered. God doesn't seem to be responding to us. It's because our heart is not where it needs to be for God to respond to our prayers in a way that, that he could be glorified. I know this is a hard message. This isn't very much fun. But I'm getting to the good part now. Matthew 6, 14. This is where how he finishes out this passage. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You're thinking, I thought he said this was the good part. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. We're talking about the heart again. Jesus just says, you know what? If your heart is not in position to forgive others, then your heart is not in position to be forgiven because you're self-reliant and you're proud and maybe a little arrogant. You're holding on to bitterness and he just says, you're in a bad place to be forgiven if you can't extend grace. And again, there's a reciprocating thing where we say, okay, God, I need you to change my heart. And as he does, it helps us forgive others. But we have to be willing to forgive others. One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named Lewis Smeads. And he said, forgiveness, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and discovering that you were that prisoner. And that's what forgiveness does. 
I've never held a grudge toward anybody that they cared. It was my heart that was locked up. It was my heart that was condemned. It was my heart that was in trouble because of unforgiveness. But when we forgive, it sets us free to walk in the blessing and walk in the life that God dreamed for us to have. There's a passage of scripture in Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven. And in Second Chronicles, um, King Solomon, he was the son of David, King David. Uh, Solomon had built the Lord's temple and uh, he had finished his own palace and, and they were just in this season in the history of Israel where it seemed like things were really good. And so God was kind of laying out some things for Solomon. They were having this discussion and he basically says to Solomon, okay, when things get bad, here's what you need to do, basically. He said, hey, when, when your people rebel and they fall away from me, when I send pestilence and I send drought, and, and when things seem to be falling apart in your world, here's what you need to do. And it's a passage, again, a lot of us know, even if you're not in church, you might have heard this, but it's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and it says this. And this is God speaking to Solomon. He says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Um, you know, sometimes in our nation, um, we mistake, I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want to offend anyone with a statement. We mistake uh, religious zeal and patriotism. Now, we are citizens of the United States. At least most of us are. You might not be, but we might help with that if you need help. Um, but we are citizens of the United States. And I am so grateful that we live in a nation like we live in. I am so grateful for the country we live in. I'm so grateful for the freedom we have. I'm so grateful for the men and women who have laid down their lives so that we can have the freedom we have. But one of the things we see Paul say over and over and over in the New Testament to the churches in the Roman provinces is, hey, you might think you're Roman, but you're not. You're citizens of a different kingdom. My citizenship is, is in the United States, but ultimately my citizenship is in heaven. And so when we see this scripture, sometimes we think, okay, God's going to bring a mighty revival to the United States because this is his people. We love, we love God. We're a Christian nation. But if you watch the news for about 10 minutes, you will know we are not really a Christian nation. We might be a nation that was founded on Christian principles, that were founded by Christian men, but somewhere along the way, we, are, we have become decidedly unchristian. Whether it's um, the things we celebrate publicly, the things that, that, that we seem to give value to, um, the, the things we ignore at times, maybe with um, Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry that we see happening right now, I can't look at our nation and say that we are a Christian nation. I say, I say that we are a nation in trouble if God doesn't move miraculously in his people. So when I see this scripture, sometimes we use it as a rah-rah kind of, hey, this is what we need to do and God's gonna bless America. You know what? Oh, again, this is gonna sound horrible. I don't think God is that concerned with America. I think he's concerned with his bride. I think he's concerned about his church. I think he's concerned about his people. And this is what he calls his people to do. He says, if my people were called by my name, he, again, he says, the people that, are, that have my name, as Christians, we are followers of Christ. We have the name of Christ. We are stamped with that. 
And the context here was originally to, to Israel, but there's a broader context for us. He says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. And this is a roadmap for us today. What do we need to do to see God work in our lives? What do we need to do to see God work in our nation? We need to pray like never before. Prayer's valuable, not just in your life to fix situations or for God to help you out. Prayer is necessary for the day and age we live in, the culture we live in. We have to be praying. If we're not, we're losing ground. But it didn't just start with prayer. I love this because he's, I think he puts this in specific order. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Sometimes we want to turn from our wicked ways first. Well, okay, I'm going to get myself cleaned up and then I'm going to be presentable for God and then he's going to accept me. And God goes, no, 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 that's not the order. You humble yourself. You say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And because I recognize I need somebody else, it's going to drive me to pray and go, okay, God, I need you in my life. I need you to work. I need you to work in this nation. And what happens then, we begin spending time with God and intimacy develops. What happens? We, we seek his face. We get to know him, who he is. And when, in scripture, when you see the face, there's intimacy involved there. It says, seek my face. And the last part is turn from their wicked ways. I believe when we focus on, when our hearts are focused on seeking God, knowing God, spending time with God, what happens is the things in our lives that we would like to fix begin to be fixed. The areas of our heart that we know are not right, he begins to shift and make right. The, the things that, that we love that maybe God doesn't love, he begins to bring into alignment with his will and his plan for our lives. I believe the days ahead for the church are the greatest. And I don't mean our church, that's part of it, but I'm, I'm talking about the church of Jesus. His bride in the United States is gonna be the greatest days ever in the church. And the greatest, we're gonna see revival like never before. And it's not gonna be the weird stuff. It's gonna be um, people getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands nationwide because they're gonna recognize there's an alternative to this cultural Christianity. And it's what, what it really looks like to be a Christian, what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It's, it's having our hearts right before him and seeking after him and pressing into him. That's what prayer is really all about. It's not about punching a time card. It's not about doing our spiritual chores. It's about saying, God, I just wanna know you. And when we know him, everything else begins to fall into place. I tell our staff all the time, everything in our lives flows from our heart flows from our relationship with Christ. If our relationship with Christ is healthy and vibrant, I would bet that the rest of your areas of your life, they might not be perfect, but they're coming into alignment. They're, they're getting there. So I just wanna ask you, where's your heart? What's going on? Are you praying? If not, why not? Why don't you bring your heart into alignment? Say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna begin to pray. I'm gonna begin to seek God and just see what will happen. I'm gonna begin to pray prayers that aren't just about me or my family or my needs or my wants, but I'm gonna begin to pray for God's kingdom. I'm gonna begin to pray that, that people would get saved in our church. I'm gonna begin to pray that lives would be transformed, that marriages would be put back together. I'm gonna begin to pray for my neighbors. I'm gonna begin to pray for my boss who hates my guts and is out to get me. I'm gonna begin to pray for some hard things and see what God will do because I promise you, God's gonna bring you into alignment with his will for your life. Let's pray. God, thank you that we have an opportunity to know you. That, Lord, you didn't just spin the earth and walk away, but, God, you are involved in our lives. So, Lord, I pray today 
Lord, I pray that we would know you today, that we would take advantage of the opportunity we have to have a relationship with you and to know you intimately and personally. I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted. Lord, let us not see it as a chore or an obligation, but God, let us see it as an opportunity to connect with you and to know you and know your heart. So God, have your way among us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not really a Christian, I'm not really following Jesus, but I want to. Maybe you've been to church, maybe your whole life, but you say, I've never really known Jesus. I've never really been in a relationship with him and I want to, I wanna begin that relationship today. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me, pray for me. I need to get some things right with God. I wanna know Jesus today. All right, maybe you're here today and you say, I'm a Christian, but the truth is, I know my heart's not in alignment with God's. I know that I'm not where I need to be with him. It doesn't mean you're backslidden, doesn't mean you're going to hell, but you just know that there's more of your heart that he could have. Maybe that has to do with your prayer life, but today you say, I want, I want God to have me fully. I wanna give God my whole heart. I don't wanna hold anything back from him. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and let me pray for you? Thank you, yeah, a bunch of you all over the room. Thank you so much. Well, let's just pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that your desire is not just for us to go to heaven, but God, your desire is to know us and have a relationship with us. And God, I pray that today we would take advantage of the opportunity we have to know you. God, we would just lay ourselves open before you and be real and truthful and honest about who we are. And God, I pray that, that Lord, we would experience acceptance and love and mercy at your feet. The Lord, when we connect with you in relationship, it wouldn't have to be weird, but Lord, it'd be sincere and holy. And God, I pray as we do, as we press into you, as we seek to know you more and want to see your face, God, I pray that you would begin to transform us as a people. Lord, change us as individuals, but Lord, change us, Lord, as a group as well. Lord, let our church be transformed. Lord, let us be a light. Lord, a city set on a hill. God, I pray that you have your way with every person that raised their hand. I pray that today, Lord, they begin to see a shift in their lives. Lord, I pray that you give them more of a heart for prayer than ever before, not as a chore, but as an opportunity to know you. Lord, we love you, and I thank you that you love us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now listen, this is what happens now. We're gonna sing one more song together. And our prayer team is on either side of the stage and we just wanna agree with you in prayer. If you need prayer for any reason, that's what we're here for. So we just wanna agree with you in prayer. Also, there's a prayer card that looks just like this one in your seat back. If you have a prayer need, fill that out. Let us know about your prayer need. And we're gonna agree with you in that in our staff meeting this week. Uh, we pray over every single one of these. We take them very seriously. So let us know about that. If you're watching online or maybe you think of it this week, you can email us your prayer need at uh, prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about that and we will agree with you in that as well. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time and then we'll be dismissed. I tell you guys this every week, but I want you to know it. I love you more than you know and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. I love you. God bless you.